Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. So today's topic is very near and dear to my heart and... For myself, what I've come to learn and understand within my personal journey, my growth is just how big a role people-pleasing, martyrdom, victim mentality played within my stuckness that I was in for so long. And what I really enjoy now with helping others is helping them work through this martyrdom complex, the people-pleasing behaviors. And we speak a lot about people-pleasing in most of our episodes because I feel like it's something we all can relate to at some level. And so today we're going to just share our thoughts about the price we pay when we martyr ourselves, when we fall into people-pleasing tendencies. And it's not to shame or blame anyone, because again, this is an area I lived a lot of my own personal life, but I think it's greatly important important to just share not only my personal stories and what Carrie and I have been learning and growing within over the years in our coaching business. It's something that I think is extremely important to bring to conversation again, because we can all relate to this at some extent. So what are your personal experiences? Carrie, I want to start just first by, if you're okay, sharing a little bit about if these are themes that you've seen within your own life when it comes to martyrdom or people pleasing. It's an interesting question for me to ponder about myself because sometimes I do notice some slight people pleasing tendencies in me, but for the most part, I tend to put myself first in a lot of ways and really focus on making sure I am at my optimal Mm. level of contentment. So I don't know if that's seen as selfish. Obviously, I don't want to alienate people and not be flexible or be able to compromise. Flexibility is not my strength. But I am pretty decent at compromising because when other people are involved, I do really want to be as amicable as possible in those types of teamwork situations. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like maybe your perspective of me would be clearer than my perspective of myself on this. Yeah. And I love your openness and honesty with being like, yeah, no, I've never had any problem putting myself first because here's the problem that I have come to realize is that, yes, a lot of society views that as being selfish, 
But if there is anything that I have learned through my own experiences and challenges is that if I didn't put myself first, I would have nothing to give. If I didn't care for my own well-being, then I was working with being on empty. And so I applaud you for having that awareness and just having that drive, that recognition that the majority of this starts within ourselves by loving ourselves first. And another reason why I think this is so important for us to talk about because of the shame around it and the judgment that we can face with society saying like, oh, no, 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 you need to put these people first, you need to put your family first, and then you take the breadcrumbs or whatever it might be. And it just, unfortunately, as much as we want to give and give and give, it always bites us in the ass. It will lead to burnout. It will lead to compassion fatigue, especially if you're a caretaker, if you just are a natural healer and you have this energy about you where you want to give and provide for others. But I think it's beautiful that you have this strong knowledge of yourself being of great importance in order for you to give to your relationships. And when it comes to martyrdom or people pleasing, a lot of the times we're kind of sitting in it and we're like, I have no choice. This is just who I am. This is what I do. And I think it's important to talk about how a lot of this comes from conditioning also within our lives, whether it's that you view family members doing or acting in this same way when you were younger. And so then you assume like, oh, this is how you do life. Or in my situation, my trauma disrupted my nervous system so much so that the story I told myself is that as long as everyone else is happy, then I'm happy, then I'm safe. So that's what really started to stem my people-pleasing tendencies. And so it's really about looking at the conditioning that we have within our own lives to better understand why are we stuck in this behavior and that way we can gain better knowledge of just how is it holding us back in certain ways in our lives. I think it says a lot about our society that it's almost an act of rebellion to put ourselves first. And especially in our society, as we've said in previous episodes, we both live in the United States. And I think it's common, not just here, but in many places around the world for women, especially to have more of this tendency of putting other people and other people's needs and other people's wants and desires ahead of our own. I don't think men are completely void of this tendency, but I just think mm -hmm. in general, women are conditioned to do it a lot more frequently and to think it's more normal than most men are. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at it from the societal standpoint, culture as well, yes, a big majority of it is within female population, but it's really fascinating to me because as I've paid more attention to it 
and I look at those that are within my life, my friends, my family, I have really come to recognize that a lot of the men in my life very much live in this place of martyrdom. And what I think is really fascinating, especially as I look through the human design lens, there's a couple areas in the chart where this can pop up and specifically within some gates. And so one of the gates is called the gate of compassion It's gate 15. This gate has a huge aura. When they enter the room, people know that they are there. They have this aura that just pulls people towards them. And with gate 15, it's the ability to trust your own flow and rhythm. And it also represents love of humanity. So people who have this gate highlighted in their chart may have a very strong love for humanity and helping others and carry a lot of compassion for others. But they can also struggle to find their rhythm and flow and hold on to a lot of judgment for not having routines and habits and structure sure because that's something where our society really will push upon us that okay you need to do this in order to be successful you need to have these habits you need to have this type of rhythm and so it can really become a judgmental place and these individuals can sometimes deny their own hearts because they are wanting to give so much to service or humanity. And they can sometimes feel too afraid to do what feels right to them. Two other gates that I'll mention real quick, gate 27, which is my conscious earth. This is a gate of accountability. It's the ability to support and nurture and lift others through holding them accountable for their own self-love and empowerment. So that's the high expression, the healthy expression. The lower end, which is where I spent a lot of my life, is that these individuals can sometimes overcare and compromise for what is good and right for them. And this can stem from guilt. In my case, it was like, oh, I didn't want to rock the boat. And so my nervous system was like, yeah, let's just give, 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 compromise on my needs because that means I'll be safe. The gate 50 is kind of this connection place. When 27 and 50 come together, it creates a channel. So they're at opposite ends of one another. Gate 50 is part of the spleen center. And this is where we tend to hold our instincts and fear gates, which we've talked about before are located here. So this gate is potentially fear of failing one's responsibilities. And this is a very intuitive and reflexive caring. So the gate 50 is the gate of nurturing. And this is where the transmission of values and rules through love with love comes from. And there's a few individuals in my life who have this gate. And it just is really interesting to me as I look at the low expression, high expression, and how it potentially may be playing out in their lives. And these individuals happen to be male. And there's been a lot of what I've seen is over caring and guilt around it. And a lot of it starts with just 
having greater awareness of, like I was saying, awareness of where you may be out of balance, the high end, the low end. But these gates are just really fascinating to me because this is where a lot of the people pleasing and martyrdom can be heavily placed. How about with the Enneagram? I'm curious to know if there's any specific types that are similar with that. Definitely. Within the Enneagram system, there is one type that really stands out in this area of discussion, talking about martyrdom and self-sacrifice, people-pleasing, and that is Enneagram type two. If we're talking about the stereotypical set of traits that one may see in specific Enneagram types, type two is really known to put others' needs ahead of their own to the detriment of themselves. So they're very self-sacrificing. It's no surprise that within our society, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, that a lot of women, especially Christian women, because they've been really taught through the church teachings that this is a woman's role to be self-sacrificing and to put her family first. A lot of women will mistype as this type and it's not actually their type, but because of all those layers of conditioning, when Mm. they first start looking at the system, they really identify with the characteristics of type two. So when someone is a type two and they're in the unhealthier levels of development, they can really fall into this cycle of martyrdom and it can turn manipulative, even self-deceptive about their own motives. They can be very guilt producing toward other people and Mm. they use that self-sacrifice as a way to get people to feel sorry for them or I want you to show appreciation for all that I'm doing for you. It's not because I want to be doing this. It's because I want to feel you appreciate me for doing it. But obviously, as someone gets to be more self-aware and works through the levels of development to a higher place, they start to recognize these patterns and can start taking measures to not use their true desire to help people in this manipulative way. Because really, when it comes down to it, people who, well, all humans but especially people who lead with type 2 Enneagram are really, really seeking love, attention, and appreciation from loved ones. That is their core desire of what they want in their life to feel whole, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great. I love how you bring that up because that's the same exact case with the gates that I just mentioned. As human beings, we have this drive for belonging, connection. We want to feel loved. We want to feel heard, appreciated. It just can be a little bit more prominent with particular types or the gates, the themes. I think the important thing we want to highlight in this episode is what is the actual price we're paying if we fall into these people-pleasing tendencies? And one of the big ones that jumps out at me is that you're not really living an authentic aligned life because you are living your life like we've talked about in past episodes more through the expectations the intentions of other people rather than your own expectations and intentions that you want for yourself yeah absolutely agree with that because that's what i have certainly experienced within my own growth is just coming to the realization that I was dimming my light in a way because I felt like I was too much when I was being my authentic self. And that's very much the thing when 
we aren't living true to ourselves, we are holding back tremendous gifts that this world needs. And we're trying to fit into this box that we are not meant to. None of us are meant to be in a box. And it is through living authentically, through identifying conditioned behaviors and coming to the realization like, okay, what is me? This isn't me, but what is? And identifying that in order for us to learn and get to know who we really are. And from there, that's when we get to share tremendous gifts with this world that are needed. And you can only do that by caring for yourself, making sure that your cup is filled, you can't be running on empty. And if you're putting yourself last, that is a major price to pay. One of the saddest things to me is when, and it's so common nowadays, when I hear people not even really knowing or having the awareness of what it is that makes them truly happy, so many people out there say, well, if my kids are happy, I'm happy. That's really putting your power into someone else, first of all. And secondly, your kids aren't always going to be happy because like you're setting human. yourself up. Yeah, you're like setting yourself up for failure right away. And I know we did an episode a little while back on whose happiness are you really responsible for? So yeah, like you said, Carrie, it's like you're putting that on somebody else. You cannot control somebody else's emotional state or happiness level. And yeah, that's something that I see quite often. And of course, I can only speak from what I see since I don't have any children. Neither one of us has children here. However, the price that individuals are paying that are in this state of extreme martyrdom or people pleasing because of desiring the best for their children, they're really just pummeling themselves into the ground. And then you think about it, it's like, well, what do you have to give from a place of emptiness, of mm -hmm. frustration? of irritability, of burnout. I think it's taking a step back and just seeing the only happiness you have control over is yourself. And then, yeah, you can spread it from there to your children, your loved ones, whoever you want gets to feel that from you. And what's more giving as a parent to give to your child? I can't think of anything better that a parent could give to their child than modeling this yeah, yes. ability to make yourself happy, self-fulfill your own contentment through your mm -hmm. own passions. And kids who would see that in their parents are going yeah. to learn that skill and they're going to learn how to cultivate an authentic life for themselves, living a life that makes them happy. Absolutely. Because like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the conditioning that we can carry, part of it comes through the modeling that we see within our families. And that is just a powerful step to take towards if you want to ensure someone's happiness, be an example of happiness, be an example of living authentically so your children can see that it's possible and it's the best thing they could possibly do. And what better place to come from when it comes to caring for your children when you're in this place of abundance because you have nurtured yourself enough to be able to nurture others the same way. And again, it comes back to you're not 
sitting in a state of burnout or regret or irritability. It's this place of just, okay, I nurtured myself. My well-being is stable. And now I can ensure that I'm going to come from a stable place when I'm interacting with my loved ones. This all sounds super great though, right? This is the challenge. And this is the challenge that I faced for a long time, switching over to that mindset of, okay, I need to put me first in order to really get what I want out of life and to really give to others the way I want to. And so if there's any tips that we can offer, one thing that I spoke already a little bit about is identifying where you might be carrying conditioning and how you might be carrying some conditioning, which is what stories are you telling yourself when it comes to caring for others? The shoulds, the have tos, maybe ways you saw your mother or your father modeling actions that just don't sit right within you. And I think that's a really good place to start is, of course, within ourselves, trying to gain some awareness. What do you have to recommend, Carrie? I was going to say for people, especially people who are parents and have children, maybe taking a look at, would I want my child to sacrifice themselves for another person as much as I'm sacrificing myself Mm. for them or for whoever? Because so many times parents want better for their children than Mm -hmm. what they're providing for themselves. And there's no better way for kids to learn these things than by seeing it demonstrated to them. We can talk and talk and talk at kids as much as we want, and it can a lot of times go one ear and out the other. But if they see their parent, their caregiver living this authentic, aligned life, living through authentic relationships with all the people in their lives, that is going to be the best way for them to carry that forward for themselves into the future. So freaking powerful. I love that. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. To sit there and think for a second, wait a minute, would I want my child to experience the discomfort, whatever it might be that you're experiencing in your place of martyrdom or people pleasing, taking a step back and thinking about that and coming hopefully to the realization where it's like, no, they don't deserve that. So if they don't deserve it, then 100% you do not deserve to be living a life like this. And so I love that you bring that up, Carrie, because it's one of those things where sometimes we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes, other people that we love tremendously and want nothing but the best for. And of course, it all comes back to if we don't love ourselves, if we're living from a place of fear and lack, then those are going to be actions that we then model coming from that place of fear and lack. So taking the baby steps that we always talk about to cultivate greater awareness, to then lead into being able to cultivate greater love for yourself. So far, we've talked a lot about martyrdom in relation to parents and caregivers in our society. But another big place where we can see it, at least within American society, is in the workplace and how so many of us are taught to self-sacrifice at work and to wear as a badge of 
I'm a hard worker because I work extra hours and I stay late and I work on weekends. And this is something that a lot of us, I am to blame for sure, get caught in this cycle of looking at this as part of our identity and as our value to the institution we're working for. Oh, for sure. And I can certainly come from a place of being a caretaker and service with physical therapy. I've been doing therapy for over 19 years, and I have seen this throughout all the clinics that I have been in and from people that are near and dear to my heart and good friends right now, that level of just giving and giving and giving, and you see it within the home and then the workplace when it comes to people who are natural nurturers, natural givers, healers. It breaks my heart when I see just how much of that happens within the healthcare field too. And why I am just so passionate, even talking to coworkers about like, yo, take your lunch break, get off the computer, stop doing your notes, go outside, get fresh air. Because how are you supposed to do anything for the patients if you're just feeling frantic and already burnt out at lunch. And that's something that is one of the first things I teach students whenever I do have students, I tell them right away, put you first, prioritize yourself first, because you've got a long road ahead of you in this field. And you need to make sure that you're there for the ride. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is the most important lesson for young people coming into the workforce nowadays, because the workplace is not going to generally teach you that. Mm -mm. You have to know it and learn it for yourself and you have to follow through on it because most workplaces, at least within our society, are going to try to suck you dry of every ounce of energy and motivation you have because that's just how it's always functioned. But I think a lot of us are awakening to that and realizing that when we are not our best selves, when we are not able to give just the same way we aren't able to give in relationships, if we can't give to our job in the best way, then we aren't able to do our best work. We aren't able to give to our patients, give to our students, give to our clients, whoever it may be. Even if you're working in an office, give to your role in a way that serves the company, but also fulfills you. Absolutely. And when you listen to this, you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I want to be able to put my foot down. And so when we think of some baby steps that you can take to maybe making this switch into more focus on your well-being instead of just constant giving, I think a good place to start is first off, learning what your needs are, what are your non-negotiables, and especially in the work fields for myself, I identified one of my needs is taking my lunch break, not working through lunch so I could give my brain and body a rest. So one place to start, I think that everybody can benefit from is what is something that you need that you feel would be really helpful for you to maintain your sanity throughout the workday. 
And it might tie back to your core values, which, you know, we love talking core values. Mm -hmm. We think it's a really important exercise for people to get in touch with what their core values are. And once you know your core values, it can bring a lot of this into a crystal clear picture for you so that you understand what do I need in my life to be the best me, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm with friends. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.